Second Corinthians chapter 2, I want to begin reading at verse 12. We're going to go back just a little bit and get a running start for where we want to go tonight. And again, Second Corinthians is a letter about providing us a second wind with a renewed energy in order to continue. And uh, so if you're discouraged, if, if you're uh, in despair, 2 Corinthians is a great letter to read and to study because the main theme of this letter is one that wants to bring continual renewal into our life so that we get revived, refreshed, renewed, and ready to get back into it. Now last week we ended with this passage in 2 Corinthians 2 where Paul basically uh, was very transparent and, and was sharing with us sort of a not one of his greatest moments as a servant of Jesus Christ, where he sort of sort of copped out, if you will, in uh, Troas. So notice, I'm going to begin in verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 2, and then just read down through verse 17 so we get the flow of where we're going to begin tonight. Paul says, Now when I arrived in Troas to proclaim the gospel of Christ, Even though the Lord had opened a door of opportunity for me, I had no relief in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and set out for Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and who makes known through us the fragrance that consists of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a sweet aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the latter, an odor from death to death, but to the former, a fragrance from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like so many others, hucksters, who peddle the word of God for profit, but we are speaking in Christ before God as persons of sincerity, as persons sent from God. Now last week we ended with the idea that God can take our failure and our feeble efforts and still do something with them. And I think that's why Paul related what he did about his experience in Troas. That even though God had opened up this opportunity for him, he allowed his emotions to get the best of him because he had not met up with Titus. And therefore, we saw last week that he really didn't know how the Corinthians were reacting to his former letter and and contact. And so he was allowing his emotions and the situation he was in to get the better of him, and he just couldn't stay there. He just couldn't keep his mind on what God was calling him to do, and he had to leave and go to Macedonia. And we also saw that, like many of us, a change of address, a change of scenery, a change of place doesn't necessarily change anything. Because all of the internal turmoil that we may be going through, like Paul at times in our life, Changing scenery doesn't change anything because we're just carrying all that inner turmoil with us. And that's exactly what we saw happen to Paul once he got to Macedonia. He was just as churned up on the inside as he was when he was at Troas. But then we know that the Bible does tell us, and we saw this last week, that God did encourage Paul through the coming of Titus. And he found out how the Corinthians were responding to him. And he was very, very much encouraged. The point I want to start out with tonight is this. In verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, again look at the fact that Paul says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. Again, we mentioned last week that the greatest event a Roman general could ever experience was what's called the Roman triumphal procession. It was where a conquering Roman general would be sat on a white horse, 
with all of the spoils of war and all of the captives of war behind him, and he would pray through the main street of Rome, from the Forum in Rome up to the Capitoline Hill where the Temple of Jupiter was at, and everyone in Rome would turn out. It was just something that no one wanted to miss. It was that spectacular. Uh, it would have been a prayed like no other prayed. And uh, Paul is saying, using this imagery that the Corinthians would have been very familiar with, that God wants to lead us in triumph. That Jesus Christ, as I said last week, is a winner, not a loser. And he wants to remind those who follow him that he wants to lead us into victory, into triumph, not into defeat, discouragement, or despair. And so one of the questions we need to ask ourselves is, am I allowing God to lead me? Am I a good follower of Jesus Christ? Am I the obedient sheep that's following my shepherd? Because God wants to lead, am I allowing him to lead my life at this time? Am I still, am I still facing defeat after defeat? Am I still facing discouragement after discouragement? And yet one of the things right out there for us to maybe see that's so obvious that maybe we miss it is, am I allowing God to lead me at this moment in my life? It's a question we continually need to ask ourselves. And then again last week we touched on this. I want to touch on it a little bit more. Notice another thing that should encourage us, give us a second wind, is knowing that the God of the universe wants to use us. He wants to make himself known through us to others. That's what Paul says again in verse 14 when he says, And who makes known through us the fragrance that consists of the knowledge of him in every place? This is God's plan. And he doesn't have a plan B. His one and only plan is that he would be made known to others in this world through those who know him in a personal relationship. And I don't know about you, but to me there is nothing more satisfying, more fulfilling, more energizing in a Christian's life than knowing that we are at a time in our life where God is using us. That we know God is using our lives. He's using the way we live He's using what we say. He's using what we're doing in our lives right now. That, that our life is making a difference, an eternal impact in other people's lives. That, that other people, their, their soul, their eternal destiny may be changed by the way we're living our lives. Folks, there's nothing higher that you and I can be involved in. I think as any human being, we want to be involved in something bigger than us. When you and I uh, join Christ and what Christ is doing to reach people for him around this world, there is nothing bigger that we can be a part of because it's as big as God. And it's as big as the world. And it's not limited even just in our, our little neighborhood or whatever. It, it is far-reaching. And God can use our contribution and what we can give to him to just impact so many people. Tonight, I hope that there's at least one other life that you know of in your life that you know that God is using you to make a positive spiritual difference in their life. Because I'll tell you, even if it's just one, that's energizing. That there is something that gives you and I a second wind to continue to, to grow, motivated to keep doing what we're doing, to keep ourselves committed and devoted. When we know that there's somebody else out there who may be looking at us and counting on us and drawing from us and using us as, as an example and maybe being inspired by us, there's nothing more energizing than that. 
Folks, there's nothing more energizing, as I've told you before, than knowing five to 600 people come here to hear me teach every Tuesday. I would say that's pretty energizing. That means I hit the books pretty, pretty good because, again, it energized me because I know you folks, as, as Eric said, you're taking time to come here. You're taking time to grow. You're taking time to learn. You're taking time to dig into the Bible. So I better get in there myself because I want to give you a good meal, one that's going to fill you up every Tuesday. See, this is what can give us a second win is when we know God is making himself known through us to someone else. But notice then what God goes on or what Paul goes on to say. He says that he wants to make known through us the fragrance that consists of the knowledge of him. And this word for knowledge means a growing, deeper, more complete and accurate knowledge of him. It does no good for me to live a life that's going to to paint a picture of God that is wrong to somebody else. That's actually going to do more harm than good. And yet we know in our lives there have been many people, whether they claim to be Christians or not, who've given us a distorted picture of God. Either by what they've said to us, by the way they live their lives, whatever. We have gotten a wrong, distorted picture of God because of the way other human beings have lived. And so one of the things that you and I, as Christ followers, need to strive to be is somebody who's growing ourselves. Because then as we are growing, then we're getting a deeper, more complete, more accurate knowledge of God. And then we can pass that deeper, growing, more complete, more accurate knowledge of God onto somebody else. And instead of people getting a distorted view of God by looking at our lives and how we live and what we say and how we interact with them, we're giving them a much clearer picture of God, the God of the Bible. And so that's important too. Again, that's, that's why it sort of feeds off itself. If I know that other people are looking at me If I know that God wants to use our lives, my life, your life, to make an impact on other people's lives, then hopefully that motivates me to grow because I I don't want to just give them what I have now because I don't have a complete understanding. I don't have a totally accurate picture of God. It's more than it was 35 years ago when I became a Christian, but it's still not there yet. So I need to keep growing so that I can give people more and more of God and how he reveals himself to me in the word and that's the way all of us as Christians should be because the last thing we should want is to give a wrong picture of God to somebody else and then notice this not only does God call us to make himself known through us with an accurate complete growing and deeper knowledge but notice at the end of verse 14 in every place Folks, if nowhere else in the Bible, those three words totally blow away the concept of compartmentalizing my walk with God or my spiritual life. Like, like well, this is my spiritual life. This, this, is, this is what I give to God. This is my life on Sunday or this is my life Tuesday night or Thursday night or whatever. And then the rest of it's mine. No. See, God's goal, God's calling on our life It's not only that he wants to use our lives to make himself known to others with a growing, deeper, more complete and accurate knowledge, but every place we go, 
So there, there, there's never a time as a Christian, if we understand what God's calling in our life is, there's never a time for a Christian, in a sense, to take time off from being a witness, from being a testimony, from being an example of Christ, from being Christ, from having an accurate picture of what Christ is and who God is to somebody else. Because God wants to use us every place we go, to everybody we meet, to everybody we come in contact with, to every conversation we have. And that's why it's so dangerous and it's really such a, such a satanic deception to think that, that here's my spiritual life and then here's my other life. There's nowhere that it is found in the Bible, and that's especially not found here in 2 Corinthians. It's very clear. God wants us to make him known in every place, which means then we need to be consistent. It calls us to be consistent in our Christian life, to not be living a hypocritical life, to, in a sense, live this way with this group of people, and then I get around this group of people and I live differently. God wants me to paint a clear, consistent, accurate picture of someone who knows him and someone who walks with him. And the only way he can do that in every place is if I'm committing myself to him on a daily basis and that I'm allowing him to grow me so that the more and more people that I come around, they get a much better picture of Christ through my life. It doesn't matter whether it's the cashier at the convenience store whether it's the person that comes to your house to perform some service. It doesn't matter who it is, folks. That every person we come in contact with throughout the day, God wants us to be Christ to them and be a picture of Christ. That's why I encourage folks to, in this world where it's so easy for us to not contact people very much, that I encourage Christians especially to make a little extra effort to have some face-to-face time with people. That, that even instead of, and, and not that the drive through is bad, but, but to go in and, and have a conversation, even if it's a short one with someone. Or, or instead of doing something quick where you just want to get in and out, where, you know, there's some FaceTime there. It, it's amazing to me how many people are blown away when you ask them, well, how, how is your day going or how are you doing? Like, do you really care or are you just saying that because that's what you say? I think that's one of the things that set Christ apart. He was genuine. He really cared about people, and he took time for people. He, he was never like, I'm, I'm in such a hurry, and I'm on such a schedule that I just don't have time for you. And I think his people, we are called to be more like that. Here's why, verse 15. For we are a sweet aroma of Christ to God. In other words, God wants us, wherever we go, whoever we meet, whoever we talk to, to be this satisfying, agreeable scent, if you will, in the nostrils of God. And, and so here's another thing. God's not telling us to try to go out there and please everybody. God is simply saying, as the song says, to live for the audience of one. And to make sure that the way we are living is, is a sweet scent in the nostrils of God then we're okay. Whether the, the people who are fellow Christians receive us or whether people who aren't Christians receive us, but the point is that we're living in such a way that our lives are a sweet and agreeable scent in the nostrils of God. 
For he goes on to say, as we live alongside of those who are being saved, who are becoming Christ followers, and also among those who are not Christ followers, to the latter in order from death to death, but to the former a fragrance of life to life. And he's simply saying, God can use us whether we get around Christians or not. He wants us to have that kind of life. That whether we're around Christians, we're encouraging them, we're, we're Christ to them, we're building them up, we're encouraging them, we're refreshing them, or whether we're around people who aren't Christians yet, we're, we're, we're living in such a way that they want to know more about our God, that our life is attractive to them, that, that we're living in such a way that they want what we have, that maybe they realize through watching us for a while that there's something missing in their life. This is what Paul is saying. And again, folks, there's nothing more energizing than knowing that every day we live, we have purpose. If we truly understand the message of what Paul's saying here, that's why every day we are breathing and alive as a Christian. We have unbelievable purpose. Because every day, if we'll simply just get up and get out of our house or even within our house, there are other human beings, other human souls that we can positively impact. If we just strive to be Christ to them, and that's what Paul is saying here. Saying there, there should never be a time where we say, well, what, what am I doing? What, what little bit am I? We're impacting people. And that's the bottom line. It's not necessarily about the tasks we're doing or the programs we're in or the ministries we're in. It's about the people and the souls that we are impacting. Because folks, I, I, I've said this for years in teaching the Bible, there's only two things the Bible says that we come in contact with on this side of heaven that are eternal. Only two, human beings and the Word of God. And so every minute, every second, every hour we spend with people, we can impact eternity. Every second, every minute, every hour we spend in the Bible, we are connecting ourselves with something that is eternal. Everything else is going to be left behind. We're not going to be able to take it with us. We're not going to see it on the other side. But the people that we impact and the word of God that we've internalized into our heart and mind, that we can take with us because it's eternal. And that's why Paul's making a big push here to get the Corinthians to see it's about life on life. Now at the end of verse 16, he says, who's adequate for these things? And he's going to pick up that point down in verse 4 of chapter 3. So we're going to get to it in just a little bit. But then he goes on to say in verse 17 that we are not like so many others. Hucksters. People who, who claim to be Christians or people who use the name of Christ or people maybe who even are Christians but in some way have gotten warped in their motivation and, and they're like a retailer who sells God and the things of God and the word of God for material profit. Paul says that's not what it's about. Paul said it's about us speaking up and speaking out for Christ before God. Knowing that our whole life is lived before the God of the universe. And knowing that we are striving to be, as Paul says at the end of verse 17, persons of sincerity, persons sent from God. Therefore, we need to be aware at all times that we are representing God. Everywhere we go, every place we go, everybody we come in contact with, we are God's representative. And we are to be living in such a way that we are impacting them whether they're Christian or not Christian. No matter what we're doing. And once we get through that day, 
we probably won't even realize the lives that we have touched. Because see, we don't know then, even if we only impact one life positively that one day, that that life then may go out and the next day, positively through our impact, impact two other lives. And then later on down the road, those two lives may impact. And it just begins to multiply and spider out. That's why I share to Christians all the time, I don't believe we will ever know the lives that we have impacted for Christ until we get to heaven because there's no way on this side of heaven to calculate it. It just goes too broad. It's a humbling thing, and yet talk about an energizing thing. I mean, it amazes me just this mind thing. I mean, you know, it would be great enough if, if just it was just the people that come on Tuesday night, but folks... There are hundreds of people in this area that listen to the mind that can't be here on Tuesday night. For one reason or another, they work or whatever. They'd like to be there. So they listen online through the mind iTunes. And then I get emails from people in Italy and France and Holland and Belgium and South America, countries there and all over the world of people who listen to this Bible study. And you begin to go, oh my goodness. You know, just... Where does this go? And, and you, you and I can't calculate it. And that's why Paul is saying, you and I want to be energized? Let God lead us. But not just lead us aimlessly. Lead us every day to the people God wants us to meet. And allow God to give us the opportunities to run into people. And sometimes those people will be laid on our hearts. Sometimes God will, in a sense, predispose us to meet with somebody or call somebody or contact somebody but there will be many other times throughout our life where we won't have it planned and God will just want us to meet somebody and we've got to be in such a state spiritually that we are conscious to go through the day and that every person we meet is an eternal soul and that soul can be impacted positively for God and God has me at that place at that time with that particular person to be used of him to make him known to that person that's what Paul is saying that's why Paul begins chapter 3 with these words he says are we beginning to commend ourselves again we don't need letters of recommendation to you or from you as some other people do, do we? Now, in Paul's day at this time, because the church was just getting started, because there weren't known people that were in ministry and, and that it was known at that point, when a traveling minister or servant for God would go somewhere, they would take letters of recommendation from churches or other Christians, recommending them, saying, hey, we're, we're behind this person. We, we, we support this person. We vouch for this person. They're, they're true blue. You know, they're, they love the Lord. Uh, they love the word of God, whatever. So when they come to your town, you embrace them. And Paul says, do we really need letters of recommendation as if you don't know us, as if we haven't labored among you? We know each other. In fact, notice he goes on to say in verse 2 of chapter 3, you yourselves are our letter. He says the lives of the Corinthians, you are our letter of recommendation. You are our confirmation that God has been using our lives to impact other people's lives. Because what God has done with you through us is telling others, yeah, these guys are for real. They're the real deal. 
Now, here's the thing. Paul doesn't want this to just be about him and the Corinthians. He wants us to apply this to our life. So one of the things Paul is saying will energize us is when we know that there are other people like the Corinthians were in Paul's life, that God is using us to write a letter of him to them. And begin to think about that. Who would that be in your life? Specifically, that that God is using your life and the way you are living and what you have shared and what you have said and all of that, and somehow God is trying to write a letter to them about himself through you. That's what Paul is saying. That's a powerful image. Does some face come to your mind? Does some name come to your mind? When you think about the fact that God is trying to write a letter from him to them, and you're sort of the go-between, if you will, you're the actual letter that he's trying to use to make himself known. And then I love this. Then Paul says, you're not just our letter, verse 2 of chapter 3. You are written on our hearts. It's not just cold and informal, or cold and formal, I should say. It's passionate and it's personal. You, Paul says, you Corinthians, you are engraved, you are inscribed, you are tattooed on our heart. And it's not just like, uh, you're just somebody and, and we're just here to do our job and all of that. No, to Paul, ministry in Corinth was much more than some kind of job like he compared himself to those that were just doing it to somehow get ahead materially. He says, we allowed you, your faces, your names, your family, your struggles, what you were going through to be inscribed and engraved on our hearts. It might have even kept us up at night as we were thinking and praying for you. That's when you and I know that we have truly engaged in ministering to other people. Whenever it's not just this somehow cold, distant, uh, formal type of arrangement, but it's a relationship where you and I have people who are inscribed and engraved on our heart and we carry them with us wherever we go. And we know the details of their life. We not only know their names, but we know maybe, you know, the, the struggles that they're going through, and we know the family situation, and we, we've allowed them to become a part of us, and they've allowed us to become a part of them. And Paul says, if we're going to lead people to Christ, that's the way it's got to be. And I realize a lot of us go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That means there's going to be times where I make myself vulnerable, and where my heart gets broken, and where people burn me. Think about God. Think about all the time he's thrown his love out there and, in a sense, and thrown his heart out there and gotten his heart broke or gotten his heart trampled on because of people who want nothing to do with his love. And if we're going to be Christ, yeah, we have to realize that loving others and allowing them to sometimes get to our heart, yeah, sometimes that's going to be painful. But the only way, folks, that we can truly impact somebody is up close. As I've said, one of my axioms for many years has been you can impress people from a distance, but you can only impact them up close. And unless you and I are willing to allow people to be engraved and inscribed on our heart, 
or unless they allow us to be inscribed and engraved on their heart, there's only going to be a little dance that we do around each other, and it's only going to go so far. And God wants to use us to go much deeper than that. That's why he goes on to say that this letter that God wants to write through us is being known and read by everyone. Folks, whether we know it or not, people are watching us. They watch what we do. They, they observe where we go, how we talk, what we say. What, and we do the same thing with others. In fact, one of my hobbies is people watching. I, I think because, you know, being a pastor, people fascinate me. And wherever I go, whether it's an airport or a mall or someplace, I'm watching people. I'm trying to even look in their eyes and see, do they have any kind of spark of hope? Or what are they struggling with? And do they need somebody to just give them a word of encouragement? Or what's going on? And trying to look past just the surface. And are they just faking it? Or are they trying to make it look like everything's okay when they're dying inside? We all are a letter every day. And people are reading us and watching us and observing us. And God wants to remind us of that again so that will energize us. So hopefully we will rise to the occasion and rise to the challenge and realize God, God wants to use me to make himself known to others. Therefore, I need to keep growing and I need to stay close to Christ so that when people come around me or I come around others, I am giving them a growing, deeper, accurate, complete knowledge of who he is. And God can use me to impact other people's lives. He says in verse 3, revealing that you are a letter of Christ delivered by us. Written notice, Paul says, not with ink. And when he uses that word ink in the original Greek, it meant the darkest ink possible, black ink. And he says as dark as that is, there's something that is more lasting than even the darkest ink that can inscribe something or engrave something or sign something. It's called the Spirit of God. And he says, hopefully your life and my life, we are allowing not just ink to write something, but we are allowing the Spirit of the life-giving God to write something on our hearts and then allow God to use us to write something on somebody else's heart. Notice he goes on to say at the end of verse 3, not on stone tablets, but on tablets of human hearts. He's comparing it to the Old Testament economy where God revealed himself to Moses by giving him the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. And nothing wrong with those tablets of stone, but they have their limitations. But when something's written on a person's heart, it goes much deeper than anything that could ever be written on a page or written on some stone tablet. Why? Well, for one thing, it's, it's internal. It's not external. It's not something that I could ignore if I wanted to. It's internal. And it's personal. I believe that when the Bible says God wants to write something on my heart through the Spirit of the living God, that He's not even tonight taking this message and writing the same thing on everybody's heart here, he's giving every one of us a personal message at our heart level, and he wants to write something or someone and engrave and inscribe something on our heart tonight so that when we leave this place, 
we take it with us. It doesn't stay in this room, but we take what God has done in this room out that door into the next week and into the next month, into the next year for the rest of our lives. For you see, if God can write something on our heart, then it's ever present with us. Again, if he writes it on a stone tablet, we can ignore it. And sometimes out of sight, out of mind. If I, don't, if I don't refer back to it, then it's not there. But if he writes something on my heart, it's always with me. I can't separate myself from my heart. I can ignore the Bible. I can ignore the Ten Commandment tablets. I can ignore all these other things. But if God is allowed to inscribe and write something on my heart, then everywhere I go, it goes or they go. And that's why God wants to write it on our heart. And that's how powerful it is, too. Because you and I know when something or someone has our heart, that's powerful. When we give someone our heart, that's powerful. When someone has our heart, that's powerful. And God says, I want to do a work at the heart level. That's why for God, it's not about externals. It's not about rituals. It's not about all these outward things. It's about allowing him to have our heart so that the Spirit of God can inscribe and engrave something eternal on our heart. And why God then wants to use our lives to begin writing something on the hearts of others that will last forever. Something that they can take with them forever and ever. What's the condition of your heart tonight? Is it in a condition where God's spirit can truly engrave and inscribe something or is it hard, impenetrable? And all I would encourages to allow God to keep working so that your heart becomes soft to the point where he can take the the pen if you will of the Holy Spirit of God and he can begin writing things on your heart maybe even writing names on your heart writing people on your heart and saying won't you open up your heart to them think about the way our world responded to the tragedy in Haiti. The biggest amount of money ever given. Lots of people down there to help. Because why? Because once they saw what had happened, they opened up their heart. And that's what God wants us to do. All the time. God wants our heart to be opened wide. In fact, Paul says this. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 for a moment. See where Paul expands on this. He says in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11 to the Corinthians, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide to you. Our affection for you is not restricted, but you are restricted in your affections for us. Now, as a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts to us also. Wow, what a, what a passage. Paul's saying, look, we made ourselves vulnerable. We opened up our hearts to you. We gave you our hearts. And the more we loved you, the less we were loved. Didn't stop us from giving our hearts to you. Because the moment we met you, Paul said, we allowed the Spirit of God to engrave you and inscribe you on our hearts. And this Corinthian church wasn't just some church we were going to build and and get big and then we were going to just leave and and do our own thing. But we were never going to forget you. And we were always going to stay in contact with you. And we were always going to be concerned. And anytime you needed us, we would be there. 
because you were inscribed on our hearts. And this wasn't just some passing fad or fancy. This wasn't just something that we did for short term. When we were there, we committed ourselves to you long term because you're on our hearts and you will always be on our hearts. And God wants us to be open to him doing something like that with someone like that in our lives. Folks, this is energizing. Because when you and I open up our heart to God and we open up our heart to others, there is nothing that will give us a second win like knowing that God is using our life every day to make a difference in eternity. Now Paul then concludes this section with these words. In verse 4 of chapter 3, he says, Now we have such confidence in God through Christ. In the original language, the, the picture he paints is that we wear this confidence everywhere we go. And, and in a sense, Paul in other places said that was misunderstood, like we were cocky, we were proud. And Paul wants to set the record straight that even though we walked everywhere we went with such confidence, it wasn't self-confidence. The reason we wore this confidence everywhere we went was because our confidence wasn't in ourselves. It was in God through Christ. We were confident in what God could do what God would do, what God wanted to do. And therefore, we were able everywhere we went to hold our heads up high knowing that this wasn't going to happen because somehow we were going to muster it up. We were going to dig deep enough. But we were confident in our God and what he could do. That's why Paul in verse 5 of chapter 3 says, not that we are adequate, sufficient, or enough in ourselves to consider anything as if it were coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Folks, don't miss that. That means our ability, our competency to do whatever God has called us to do is not from us, it's from God. So that means for every believer in Jesus Christ here tonight who's ever said, I can't do that, or... God could never use me, or somehow we would limit what God could do through us to make himself known to others, we have got to commit that verse to memory, and we've got to believe in what the Bible says, we've got to accept it by faith, because it's never been about us as human beings being adequate enough. It's about learning as Christians where our adequacy is, where our sufficiency is, where our ability and resources come from. And they never are supposed to come from us. They're never supposed to come from within us. They're always supposed to come as we depend upon the Holy Spirit of God to lead and guide and direct us through our life. That's why God can use us to make a difference in eternity. That's why God can use us every day in every place with everybody. Because that would overwhelm us. We'd be like, oh my goodness, there's no way I could ever do that. God says, just let me lead you. That's all you need to focus on, Jeff, is just let me lead you. If you let me lead you, then I will connect you with the people I want to connect you with. I will bring into your life the people I want to bring in. And you just let me lead you, and you let the rest up to me. You just keep depending upon me, and I'll be your sufficiency. It's not going to be about Jeff Royce being who Jeff Royce needs to be. I just need to be the, the Jeff of God if you will, and let God take over. Folks, don't miss that. So many people don't serve, they don't minister, they don't get involved, they don't allow God to use their lives to the degree he wants to because somehow they look at their 
deficiencies. They look at their frailty. They look at their fear. They, they look at all these things that they begin to check off as, this is why God can't use me. Folks, it's not about us. It's about God. And letting God be God in our lives and letting Him take over. Notice, Paul goes on to say in verse 6, it is God who makes us adequate to be servants. This phrase in the original language means that God equips us with the adequate resources and power to carry out our responsibilities. Anything God calls me to, God will equip me for and give me all the resources and power I need to be his servant. I never have to worry about God calling me to do something and not backing me or supporting me or giving me what I need. All I need to focus on is if this is of God or not. If it's of God, then I'm going for it. Because it, it, it might be bigger than me. A lot of times it is. Again, so we won't rely on ourselves and look to ourselves to do it, but we'll look to God to do it. And that's what God wants. For us not to be looking at ourselves, limiting ourselves and our lives by us, but looking at the unlimited God. That nothing is impossible, nothing is too hard for, and letting him take our life and use it in ways we could never dream or imagine. Folks, I'm convinced, I am absolutely convinced that there's enough people in this room that some of you really need to be encouraged to hear this. That God wants to use your life to impact way more people than you are allowing him to right now. And maybe one of the reasons why you're here tonight is not by accident or coincidence. You're here tonight to hear God say to you that he wants to inscribe this verse on your heart. That from now on, it's not going to be about what you don't bring to the table, but about what God can bring through you. And you're never going to limit yourself and your life and your dreams to something this small. You, from now on, are going to start dreaming big. And you're going to start allowing God to take your life places where you would have never allowed Him to before this night because God finally somehow got through to that heart of yours and the light bulb went on and now you're finally seeing it. God wants to use my life in a much greater way than I ever imagined. I just need to let Him do it. Notice Paul goes on to say, that God makes us adequate to be his servants of a new covenant, not based on the letter, but on the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The letter of the law is when we do things out of duty or debt. That'll sap the strength out of us. In fact, the word kill in the original language means depriving a flame of oxygen, thereby extinguishing it. You want to sap yourself of strength? You, you, you want to you begin to get unenergized? Start doing what you're doing out of a sense of duty or debt. Well, I got to go to church because it's what I'm supposed to do. Instead of I go because I want to. I read my Bible because I feel guilty if I don't. Or, you know, 
I give because that's what everybody expects me to do. Well, I got to live this way because I feel like I owe God something for what he's done for me. Duty and debt, folks, kills. It just saps us of our strength. That's why religious people who live that way can't sustain that kind of life. Because there's no unending energy behind it. But the Spirit gives life. When you and I allow the Spirit of God to begin to engrave and inscribe things on our heart and move us and work in our lives, the Bible says that the Spirit of God can invigorate us. It can bring a new and greater power in our lives. That's what the Spirit of God can do. Not trying to adhere to some set of rules and regulations. Not trying to live my life making sure I check off all the do's and don'ts. Not going here and doing this and not doing this because of a sense of duty or somehow I feel like i got to somehow pay God back. But letting my life just loose for the Spirit of God to take and move wherever the Spirit of God. As I've said before, it's like a sailboat that just puts up its sail every day and lets the wind take it wherever the wind wants to. God wants every Christian to be a sailboat. And every morning we get up, we just consciously put up our sail and say spirit of god take me wherever you want today let me meet whoever you want me to meet let me have a conversation with ever who you want me to have a conversation with let me be sensitive to the leading of your spirit i've got a schedule here nothing wrong with the schedule i'll keep to that schedule but if the spirit of god somehow changes that schedule i'll be all right with that because i'll know that you want to use my life to make yourself known to someone else and you want to use my life to make an eternal impact on somebody else today and when all is said and done when i'm in heaven after two three four million years The only thing that's going to matter to us, folks, are the lives that we've impacted on this side of heaven and the time we've spent in the Word of God. So I want you to go out of here tonight, hopefully saying, God, I'm excited. I got got myself renewed tonight because now I'm beginning to look at my life a little bit different. I only thought my life was going to be worth this. I only thought my life was going to be this big, but God, now that I see you and the fact that that my life and the impact of my life and the purpose of my life and the definition of my life is not defined by me or anybody else, but I'm going to let you do it, God. My life has now all of a sudden gotten bigger and of more purpose and more importance after you've reminded me of the things in your word tonight. Folks, God loves you. God not only loves us, God wants to use us to make himself known to others through us. And tonight, here at the mine, once a month, we even have an opportunity where we stop and take a little time to maybe to get to know each other. And maybe even here tonight, for you to rub up against somebody tonight and maybe even allow a conversation out there tonight to make a difference for eternity. That's what it's all about. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you so much for just, Lord, just lifting our eyes to the possibilities tonight of how you can use our life and what you want to do with our life. 
And maybe even here tonight, some folks have come in tonight, Lord, who even have looked at their life and said, what is my life? What's it worth? What good is it? Why am I here? Why was I ever born? What could I ever do for God? God, how could you ever use me? I pray tonight, God, that they have allowed their heart to be inscribed and engraved by your spirit to the point where they will leave this place looking at themselves, looking at you, and looking at others a little bit differently. Because, Lord, tomorrow I am a firm believer that at least everybody who's been here tonight, there's probably going to be some kind of appointment, some kind of of, a person we're going to run into, whether it was planned for tomorrow or not. And you're going to remind us through your spirit, this could be an opportunity to impact eternity. This is an opportunity that I want to make myself known through you to them. Rise to the challenge. Be Christ to them. So God, remind us of that, empower us. And God, we're so thankful that we don't do this in our own power and strength. We do it in yours. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Folks, I love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy the mingle.